Ladies and gentlemen, I cannot stress enough how back hockey is. I haven't taken this helmet off in almost six days. Still got my gloves on. Boy, oh boy, we got real hockey to touch on. Tyler, Mac, how are we doing, guys? Couldn't be better. Couldn't be better. Hockey's back. We're a full week into this. Saturday was unreal, boys. We had 14 games on, starting at 1, ending at 1 a.m. You couldn't ask for more. I saw some live hockey, Mac. I was at Leaf Sens on Saturday. I can tell you this, Leaf fans are still terrible and quiet at the games. Uh was pretty boring, I'll tell you that, but a uh, pretty decent hockey game. And uh, we're recording this on Monday. We got nine games on a Monday, Max, so I'm pumped. We're usually pretty quiet on Mondays, but a lot to watch tonight. It's been great. It's completely screwed with my sleep schedule, which is always a nice thing to knock back into. We're actually heading down to the game on Thursday there to watch the Stars and the Leafs. It's going to be a good one. Hopefully the fans are a little bit more excitable then. Uh, I think the Leafs fans are a little bit uh, in shock about their goalie situation, but we'll touch on that a little later. What do you guys, what do you got, Nick? Yeah, not too much. I was in uh, New York last weekend there with my girlfriend. Lots of, uh, lots of baseball down there instead of hockey, wandering the streets there. Uh, but uh, lots of hockey, like you said, staying up late, watching games, a lot of things to touch on, a lot of surprises, even though we're only a handful of games into the season. So Excited to uh, chat about it here with you guys. I know we've been dying to get into uh, some real hockey talk here instead of our made-up projections and predictions. So uh, what do you say we dive right into the weekly rundown here? Let's do it. Let's go. Also, that hat is unreal, Nick. Unreal. Great hat. Great hat. Had to do it to honor uh, the recently injured Tyler Bertuzzi, I guess. But uh, let's talk about a couple teams that have Started the season on a hot note, just as we thought they would. The Rangers, the Canes, the Flames, they're all out of the gates with hot starts here. Tyler, what stands out to you from these teams? Yeah, the New York Rangers have been really fun to watch. If you haven't tuned into a Rangers game yet, I would highly suggest it. Igor looks locked in. Since game one, Artemi Panarin has looked like a different player than last year. That's a good thing as well. We'll talk about the points race a week in a little later on, but Artemi Panarin's up there. Uh, the Flames look great. The Battle of Alberta was pretty entertaining. Like, Jack Campbell kind of made it more entertaining than it shouldn't be. We didn't see any rough stuff or anything, but uh, Calgary's looking really good so far. Uh, and we'll get into some teams that haven't impressed us, but yeah, love the way the Rangers are playing. Calgary's new additions, Mac, look really, really good. Like, Kadri's good. He scored. Mackenzie Weger looks really good on the back end. Uh, we didn't really touch on him a lot during the summer because of the whole Kadri acquisition, the Huberto acquisition. But Mac, I think Mackenzie Weger might be like like low key the best uh, best acquisition that Brad Living made this summer. Yeah, he's a super underrated defenseman still, which is insane. I know he's been in Florida and he hasn't really been given much attention behind Ekblad and and their whole forward core really. Uh, but he's a really good defenseman both ways. Uh, and he's just going to keep building on that. The Flames game was a little bit more excited, exciting when uh, Campbell let in three goals and seven shots. I think it was in the first period. I thought it was going to kind of be like that the entire game going back and forth, but it settled down pretty quick after that. Uh, and you, one team you didn't touch on there was the Canes. Uh, I know you guys had the Rangers, but I'm going to keep pushing that all year. The Canes are going to be my team to be all the way through, and they've looked really good swarming the puck both ends. I don't know. Brendan Moore has got them on another level this year. And those guys, Jarvis and Nietzsche, like I mentioned, they're stepping up to the plate already. Yeah, I don't think we can be surprised that Carolina is starting strong out of the gates. They're deep. They're coached well, as we've said. So I don't think it's any surprise. It's not like a team that's waiting on one star to get going in order to carry them. It's a it's a team. They do it by committee and they do it night in and night out. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're at the top of the standings for the first couple of months. I think that's usually the way it goes there in Carolina. Um, the Rangers, I think the one thing that I, I hope people are starting to take away from their early games here is that it's not just Igor Shosturkin. Like last year, it was a lot of, oh, Shosturkin, he's up for the Vesna. He's carrying the Rangers like, Man, these guys can score. They are deep. And as we touched on in the Eastern Conference preview, they've got one of the best decors in the league. So the Rangers, the Canes, both been super exciting to watch. You guys touched on Uyghur. I love that addition. I think a lot of times we we peg guys that get traded as kind of like, oh, how are they going to fit in? But there's some dudes, and, and I classify Uyghur as one of these dudes, that they're motivated when they get traded. They didn't see it coming. They kept coming off a great year last year in Florida. He's going to show out in Calgary this year. He got a new ticket. Let's see how he finishes up here this season. But, um, I mean, we touched on it a little bit before there, Mac. The Leafs, Matt Murray, going to be out four-plus weeks. 
I mean, just a weird situation already in Toronto. The Leafs fans got to be scratching their heads and, and peeling their eyes out a little bit here. Mac, what do you think about this whole Matt Murray goalie situation? I mean, it, it was definitely a big risk to begin with when they signed him, right? He's got a big injury history the last couple of years, but uh, I don't know. Samson House looks pretty good. Looked pretty good through the last two games. We'll get Shelgren and Ned against the Coyotes tonight, which, man, whatever, throw whoever goalie won in there, you're going to win that game. Uh I don't know. As long as Samsonov keeps continuing what he's doing right now, I don't think that's the big issue in Toronto right now. They've, uh, you know, they've been out shooting teams, but they haven't really been getting that high power offense like we expect from the Leafs. Uh, I don't know. Do you think that's going to switch around, Ty? Well, yeah, first of all, it's not the big issue. I think it's the issue of Samsonov gets injured now and then your top two goalies injured because Eric Schalgren's an okay American Hockey League goaltender. He's an okay backup, but man, if both of these guys get injured, you're in a disastrous situation if you are Kyle Dubas. So hopefully Samsonov can carry the load for that Maple Leafs team. And, and yeah, the scoring's been great. Like John Tavares leads the team in points. Mitch Marner's look pretty good. We still haven't seen Austin Matthews rip one in through a few games. He had a deflection goal, but I think as hockey fans, we're still waiting for Austin Matthews to start lighting it up like a, another guy in David Pasternak has. And we'll touch on the bees in a bit because they've even been fun to watch. But yeah, the Maple Leafs problems are definitely not in net. And, and Nick, we kind of had a feeling unfortunately, that this might happen at some point to Matt Murray, whether it was in December or in March or now in October, which is the really, really bad part for the Toronto Maple Leafs. It happened, and uh, it might not be a month. It might even be more than that with an abductor-type injury for a goaltender. So uh, the Leafs, I guess they're not in the worst spot because they're such a good team, but it's just something to keep our eyes on as hockey fans. Yeah, I think I'm a little bit more pessimistic on it than you guys seem to be because I think – my, my whole issue with it is how do you go into the season with two guys that you're confident playing in the NHL? Shogren played a number of games last year. He's up this year. He's not going to be a true NHL goalie for the rest of his career. That's just not who he is. And, and the other day when he got hurt in the AHL, like they didn't have another option. Their only other NHL signed goalie is in Sweden right now. Everybody else is on a PTO, an ATO, a different contract, this or that AHL deal. How do you go into a season with 50 out of 50 contract slots taken and not have an insurance policy in that? Even if it's Michael Hutchinson, like it's been the last couple of years, right? I think that's just insane. The only two teams that we talk about having serious problems with their goalies lately are the only two teams at 50 out of 50 contract slots. That's the Vegas Golden Knights and the Toronto Maple Leafs. I just don't understand the whole thought process there. I mean, if you got to ship out Simmons for nothing or a guy like that, if you got to trade Adam Gaudet uh, earlier in the year for a pick, like do what you got to do. You have to have a third goalie in the minors that you think is going to be able to step in because like you guys said, we knew Murray or Samsonov are going to get hurt. It's just a matter of when. So I think that's what I'd say there on the Leafs, the contract slots. That's just confusing to me. You got to applaud them for their cap gymnastics the last couple of years. They've been able to maneuver around, add pieces that GM Kyle Dubas has done a great job, but the contract slots, that's the one thing that I'm going to harp on with the Leafs there. Um, but if we want to talk about something, I guess, a little bit more positive than that, uh, another name that's been in the media all summer and a team that we were quite hard on last week, boys, the Philadelphia Flyers. They start the season 2-0. and They're undefeated under Torts Mac. What do you think about what's going on in Philly? I don't know. They're playing that Torts style hockey. Uh, I don't, I don't even know what to say at this point. They're, uh, He's got them in shape, looking good. I, I don't know what, again, I don't know what to say. Their whole lineup's playing better than we expected. And can they continue that? Who knows? Uh, if they continue to play a tort style, who knows what they can do, right? Yeah, uh, they've just surprised us. And that's all you can say at this point. Like, we're still really early on. They've won two of two games. Uh, their defense core, I think we're a lot, a lot of us were worried about. They sent Cam York down. Obviously, Provorov and D'Angelo are there, but other than that, they have a lot of third-pairing guys. And up front, you just look at their four lines, guys. They don't excite you whatsoever, but Lawton's played great. Konechny's played great. Uh, both Kate's brothers are in the lineup. They were at times last year. I think that's a cool story. Tanner Lazinski is getting some time in the bottom six. He was a big player for the Lehigh Valley Phantoms uh, last year. So they're kind of just doing it with pieces that we don't expect to produce at an NHL level. And maybe we're talking two episodes from now and saying, Mount, man, the Flyers suck. They just lost eight in a row after winning the first two games. That's really possible because they've gone on some 10 game losing streaks at times over the last few years. But I think if you're a Flyers fan out there right now, Nick, you can be pretty happy with the start. And I think we kind of had a feeling that John Tortorella would come in here and change things. But to win their first two games, I think that's a win for this season already. 
I'd like to see them maybe finish in 32nd because that'd be another big win because they'd get the best odds of drafting Connor Bedard. But yeah, Flyers up and down right now, uh, really early on, have looked pretty good. Yeah, I think the one guy that I'll touch on there, he recently signed a new deal, would be Travis Sanheim. $50 million there, eight years, 6.25. Identical contract to a guy we touched on earlier, Mackenzie Weger. Who would you guys take out of those two, Sanheim or Weger? Weger for me. Yeah, yeah Weger. I, I would completely agree, but it's going to be interesting to watch because that's a, a scuttling team. We don't expect them to be in the playoff hunt. He's a young guy, but, uh, I mean, it's a long-term deal. you got to envision he's going to be around for the duration of the rebuild, the retool, whatever they want to call it there under Chuck Fletcher. Um, so we'll see how that deal progresses, but I'm with you guys. I would absolutely take Weger over Sandheim today at that value. Um, just thought that was an interesting one to throw out there. Uh, but, uh, Tyler, you touched on it a little bit earlier with Pasta. He's got his buddy back, David Krejci, the Bruins. They seem to be clicking another undefeated team so far early on here in the season. Talk about the Bruins here, Tyler. What have you seen so far? Yeah, the Bruins have been fun to watch. It's nice to see David Krejci back in the National Hockey League. I was a big David Krejci fan, and he goes back over to the Czech Republic. We're thinking he's done in the National Hockey League, and his buddies convince him to come back for potentially one more year, take a little run at things, and I think it's really possible. It looks like Brad Marchand's already like almost practicing in full. He might be back sooner than expected. Once they get McAvoy and Grizzlick back, the Bruins are going to be a scary team, like not high expectations going into the year, but I think they're going to surprise a lot of people. And, and since game one, Nick, David Pasternak has looked unreal. Patrice Bergeron still looks the same, does not look like he's playing his age. The Jake DeBrusque injury early on kind of sucked, but uh, I think that they can figure things out lines-wise. And Mac, the other thing I wanted to touch on, because um, to a buddy, I was talking about Jacob Lauco. He made his NHL debut. He's a, a kid from the Czech Republic, but just crazy how there's 27 Czech players in the National Hockey League and the Boston Bruins have six of them, including their second line being all from the Czech Republic or Czechia, whatever you want to call it now. But that was just another cool thing with Lauco coming into the lineup. They almost have every single Czech player. It's crazy. I, I think they're playing a little bit above their heads right now. We shouldn't get just like the, the Flyers <clears throat> kind of don't get too excited with them. I had them down in my standings predictions, so I, I'm not getting too high on them yet. They have played the, the banged up Capitals so far and the very lowly Coyotes. So again, I'm not getting too high on them, but you know, they're taking advantage of their uh, crappy, crappy matchups to begin with. And uh, let's see if they can keep that going. Yeah, good uh, good on you, Tyler, for touching on Lauco there. Longtime hockey collective follower, big fan of what we do. No Obviously, way. Uh, super happy that he's uh, getting a chance there with the Bees. The one thing I want to talk about on the Bruins, a guy that, I mean, guys, he won the MVP a couple years ago, Taylor Hall. He hasn't been crazy. Nothing really to, to write home about while he's been there in Boston. But when you look back on that trade with the Buffalo Sabres now, what a wild deal. The fact that they were able to get him and lock him up, even if he's a middle six forward for the remainder of his career, you got to applaud them for that. They got Curtis Lazar and Taylor Hall at 50% retained for the remainder of that season for Anders Bjork, who's on waivers today, and a second round pick who turned into Alexander Kisikov. I don't know too much about Kisikov. Bjork's on waivers. What a deal for the Bruins. I think that's uh, something that set them up and frankly, probably prolonged the longevity of kind of their core staying intact here over the next couple of years or the last couple of years, I should say. Um, but moving out of Beantown there, the Avs, they finally got their cup ceremony. They had a big first night against the Hawks there. Uh, Renton and put up four. We all saw the rings, the boxes that they came in. Mac, you're a closet Avs fan. What was your uh, what was your takeaway from cup ceremony night? Yeah, it was really cool to see. Uh, obviously, they got a good matchup against the Blackhawks for their cup ceremony night. A lot of teams, you know, they go in, they get cold through that ceremony, and they come out flat. Uh, the Avs just aren't that team. They come out super, 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 super hot, flying like they do. Uh, I know it was tough the next night. They had to go up against the Flames, who were a good team with their backup, not backup, but their 1B, arguably, in net. Uh, lost that one with 5-3, I believe. Uh, but they're big guys that look good. McKinnon's look good. McCars look good. Rantanen obviously looks good. Uh, I think they're they're on track to win that division again. And yeah, I, it was really cool to see them invite Jack Johnson over too for the ceremony. Uh, stay, standing there like a little kid in this Blackhawks jersey with this uh, abs, a bunch of abs guys around him. So uh, no, it was cool for sure. 
Yeah, that was like a Where's Waldo, but a Where's Jack situation. <laughs> He's wearing the Blackhawks jersey and he sticks out like a sore thumb, but that was awesome. Inviting him over. It's always cool when you get to see the players look up at the banner being raised. Like it's just legendary. It's what you dream as a, uh, as a kid. And uh, yeah, the Chicago Blackhawks kind of had to watch that, I guess. And they're not going to have that happening anytime soon, but they had their, their chances or they had their opportunities over the last decade or so to touch on Rantanen on the power play, their power plays looked a little different. Like on their second unit, they got three D we touched on that a little few weeks back, but their first unit, is ridiculous. Landis Cog's not even on it right now. Miko Ranton is just distributing the puck like a god on the power play. McKinnon's just doing his thing. McCarr's doing his thing. Like they're almost unstoppable. And you saw that in their opening game against the Chicago Blackhawks. So it's fun to watch that power play get to work. It's fun to watch Kale McCarr every single game. Like when you have the option of some games on a busy night, like Avalanche games are, are almost always what I'm flipping over to because when their power play gets going, they're fun. Uh, and two things, Nick, Alex Newhook. Through a couple games, it's still really early. Hasn't really impressed me or shown that he wants to take the second-line center role. And Evan Rodriguez, who went unsigned forever, ended up signing with Colorado. He's kind of been invisible over the first two games. So maybe two negatives for a team where we're always going to talk about positives this year. Hopefully uh, those two players in particular can get better. Yeah, definitely. Definitely agree. New hook needs to keep pushing, make a step there. Um, but like you guys said, the banner raising, that's super cool. And to me, it kind of signifies that uh, – your celebration's over. It's time to get back to work. Obviously, these guys are training in the offseason. They're still uh, enjoying their cup celebration as well. But once you see that banner reach the top of the stadium there, it kind of signifies it's a new year. Let's try and do it again. So, I mean, lots of uh, lots of picks out there to say the Avs are going to uh, try and repeat this year. And I think they should be right in the race. So it's going to be fun to watch. But another dude who uh, started his season with a four-point night would be Connor McDavid. He had a hat-trick and an assist there for Edmonton. I only wanted to touch on this because he had a really cool quote post game saying it was for his buddy, Ben Stetler. Um, for those of you who don't know, he was a six year old who lost his life to cancer. He was an Oilers super fan, super involved with the team over the last couple of years. Uh, his, uh, his quote, his saying was always play La Bamba baby. So uh, McDavid took a really nice couple of minutes there with Scott Oak post game to, to touch on that and say um, this win was for Ben and uh, they were super uh, nice and touching there. So that was uh Great to see, but guys, what do we think about the Oilers? McDavid looks great. Campbell, not so much. Rest of the team kind of waiting to get going here. Tyler, what have you seen in oil country? Uh, there's a lot to like, and I think if you're an Oilers fan, you're kind of picking the team apart a lot over the last few years, and they were excited when they signed Jack Campbell. Actually, maybe some Oilers fans weren't that excited because of the term being what it was, but um, what I liked, Obviously, Connor McDavid so far, dry saddles look great. He's back healthy. He was playing on one leg throughout the playoffs last year, so was still getting it done, but him with two legs is even better. Uh, Evander Kane almost seems like the perfect fit for Connor McDavid. We saw it last year. We didn't know if Ken Holland was going to be able to re-sign him, and he did. Uh, so I like Evander Kane and McDavid playing together a lot, and you saw Kane get McDavid the hat trick too, which I love seeing those on empty netters. Just boys being boys, right? Like, they're for the boys. So is Evander Kane. Nice to see him there. Uh, the decor, Mac, does scare me a little. They haven't looked amazing, but when you have, like, Cody CC playing a lot of minutes and Brett Kulak, you probably can expect that. And Jack Campbell is obviously the one thing we're going to keep our eye on throughout the season. Can he handle the workload? Can he handle the pressure? But Connor McDavid said there was more pressure in Toronto. Campbell, I guess, handled it well. But I think he's going to be under a lot of pressure in Edmonton if he keeps allowing a lot of goals. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of what we expected throughout the gate, right? Uh, we we said their defense were a little bit worse, were a lot worse than the Leafs. They play a more high, fast tempo game. Not higher, fast tempo, or not higher tempo, but uh, definitely more offensive-minded than the Leafs do. Uh, Leafs do a lot of possession play, and they keep the puck a lot more than the Oilers, and they just don't allow those high danger chances as often. Um, so, yeah, Campbell's going to get peppered a lot more than he did the last couple of years. And so far, it hasn't worked out for him, but uh, hopefully he kind of settles in there and it would be nice to see him kind of, he's just such a nice guy, right? Yeah, you don't want anything bad to happen to that kind of guy. Um, always smiling, always cheerful in the room and just appreciates every day being at the rink. So hopefully he can pull it around and and get the team a few wins. Yeah, definitely. And I think the the other one question mark for me in Edmonton, um, I always think he's a great payer, player, but he's being paid as a number one D. And to me, he's not a number one D. Darnell Nurse 
what's the season going to look like for him? He's battled some injury troubles. He's he's a tough guy to play against. He's a tough guy out there, and and he uh, makes it hard for opponents. But he's really never been a number one for me. And I mean, he's only cracked forty points once. That was 2018, 2019. So what type of performance are we going to get out of Darnell Norris? Because like you said, Tyler, it's a it's a bit of a shaky back end. Um, but uh, like you said, Oilers fans, nothing to worry about. You got two of the best players in the league at the front of your lineup. So we're going to have to see where it goes. Um, but uh, I mean, moving from one OHL exceptional status player in McDavid to another here in Shane Wright. Boys, Shane Wright started. He made his NHL debut. He played six minutes. He played six minutes in his NHL debut. He was scratched in game two. He's back in in the lineup tonight in game three. But, I mean, what do you guys make of this out in Seattle, Tyler? Six minutes, that's wild. Yeah, I can't even imagine the roller coaster of emotions going through Shane Wright's mind over the last few months. He thinks he's going first overall to Montreal. He drops to four. Not the worst thing, I guess, if you're a hockey player. But you expected to go number one probably since you were like 13 or 14 years old. And now you're going number four to an expansion team. And then, yeah, as you said, Nick, six minutes on the fourth line in game one. That's not what I expected. I expected him to at least be playing on the third line, maybe the second line behind Matty Beneers. But I guess Dave Haxtell wants to kind of slowly but surely get him ready for that role. But is Mac playing on the fourth line? Is that even going to get you ready for that? He needs minutes. He needs more than six minutes a game or he needs to be sent back to the Ontario Hockey League, which most likely we'll be talking about fairly soon because there's no chance he's going to be scratched or playing on the fourth line for the entire year. Yeah, the thing with Wright, too, you got to remember the last couple of years, he's kind of had his seasons affected by COVID, and I think that hurt his development a lot more than people realize. Um, I think another season in the OHL would probably benefit him greatly. Um, the thing is, he didn't really look that good in the six minutes either. There was a breakdown on Twitter. Uh, a guy went through each shift by shift. It was a really, really good breakdown, but he just didn't generate stuff that he usually does in his games in the OHL. Uh, I think he either needs to start um, showing he can be up here and stick or get sent back down sooner than later so that he can get a full season down in the O and get that confidence. But he's not showing that on the fourth line because he's not playing with the good wingers. Like, put him on with... A guy like Jordan Eberle, Oliver Bjorkstrand, Andre Burakovsky, put him with whoever. But if you're playing him with guys on the fourth line, Nick, it's going to be useless. That's why that kind of showed up, that stat, because he's not playing with the best players, which he was used to doing in the Ontario Hockey League. Yeah, I think that's a really good point there, Tyler. I'm always of the belief that you put a youngster with an old guy like that, like whether it's Schwartz or Everly or somebody like that on Seattle, a guy who's always going to be in the right spot. He can direct traffic a little bit out there for a young centerman. I think that's so beneficial. Um, but while we're on the topic of uh, exceptional status here, we're going to run you guys through a gauntlet real quick of questions. Who's the only player with exceptional status granted to them in the QMJHL? Either of you know? Sid? I don't know. No, you guys Ooh. don't know this. Joseph Ooh. Valeno, baby. Joe Valeno Ooh. in Detroit. What about uh, what about in the in uh, the WHL? Who's the only player there? It's Bedard. Bedard. Yeah, makes sense. He's going to be the yeah. number one pick this year by a landslide. No questions there. There are now six players in the OHL. Who can name them? Well, right. Uh, there was one this year, right? Plays for Sudbury. Saginaw, Michael Misa. Right. Uh, is it Sean Day one back in the day? Sean Day. Yeah, he's on Syracuse now. Yeah. Tavares. Yep. We were just, just letting Mac do this. We I'm just, just letting Mac do this, him. by the way. Connor I McDavid. Say... And defenseman in Florida. Aaron Ekblad. Oh, yeah. Ekblad rounds out the sixth there. But yeah, um, like you touched on, yeah. Michael Misa, he, uh, he plays for Saginaw. Uh, if you guys want to feel old, he's a 2007. He's playing with exceptional status in the OHL. He's got nine points in seven games. So that's going to be a name to watch in a couple of years. His brother Luke plays for Mississauga as well. So uh, future hockey dynasty family there, I guess. But always fun to talk about the exceptional status players there. A dude who probably would have gotten exceptional status in the OHL, but he went the college route. Matty Beneers, Tyler, you've touched on him a couple of times here. What have you seen from him so far the end of last year and the start of this year? The confidence that Matty Beneers has this early on in his career is, is ridiculous. You see it with a lot of the top players. You kind of saw it when Matthews came into the league. We all know what he did in his first game. We saw it with Connor McDavid. We saw it with Sidney Crosby way back when, when he was a rookie with Pittsburgh. 
And I'm not comparing Matty Beneers to these players because these are superstars. Will Matty Beneers turn into a superstar? Maybe, but he's not going to be Crosby, McDavid, or Matthews. But he has looked unreal 13 points through his first 13 games. And when I look ahead to international tournaments, I get really, really excited to see him on Team USA, potentially as one of their top three centers. But Mac, the Seattle Kraken, have an unbelievable player as their first line center for a long time. Hopefully, hopefully he signs a long-term deal in there. Cause if you're a Kraken fan, maybe you're new to hockey or you just became a Kraken fan, but you got to be excited about Maddie Beneers. So electric all like from his speed, his shiftiness, his shot, his, like his vision and everything. It just, it gets you excited to watch this kid. It, like you said, what other superstars that you go to games just to watch he's going to be that guy i think in this in the future maybe not to that level but that excitement level for sure um again going back to right real quick he's back in the lineup tonight with jared mccann and yanny gord so hopefully he can hopefully he can show some things of that line as well yeah, that's definitely a better opportunity for right there. And I think two things on Beneers for me. Um, one, I think, Tyler, you said the confidence. He looks and feels so big out there on the ice to me. I was shocked when I looked and he's 6'2", 175. That dude plays like he's Matthews size 6'4", 210, something in that range. Like he's confident. He's pos- He possesses the puck well. It's Everything's just really poised and intelligent with him. I think that's a great play. A uh, great player for a long time. And uh, I'm going to go out there and say right now as my second thing there that this is the best move Seattle's made as a franchise was drafting him second overall. I think they botched the expansion draft. We'll save that for a rainy day. They didn't make any good deals. I think we're all confident in that. I like Ron Francis as a GM. He did a heck of a job in Carolina. But to me, this is by far the best move that they've made there in Seattle so far. Um, transitioning away from the Kraken, though, um, we touched on Detroit a little bit. My guy Bertuzzi, we're wearing the hat here. Um, Mac, they got uh, they got some big boys there in Motor City. You want to talk to us about that? I mean, that line of Soderblom, Rasmussen, and Sunquist, six foot six average height, tallest line ever in NHL history. That line is scary, and they're skilled too. It's not like they're just the big guys that go thunder around the ice. They've got a lot of skill, good hands, good vision for each other, and so far have played really, really good. Um, throughout the lineup, they've actually looked really good. Kubelik has a goal or two at this point. Uh, Verana's goal the other night was disgusting, and just that whole lineup is going to be very fun to watch this year. And again, as we touched on last week with the Eastern Conference preview, they're a fun team. They're a young team. They're going to score quite a bit and they've looked good defensively too at times. Yeah. Nick, you said Mac was a closet avalanche fan. If I'm correct, I'm a closet Detroit Red Wings fan. Like they are so fun to watch and it's been tough over the last few years, not seeing them in the playoffs after pretty much always just seeing them in the playoffs and not even having to think about it. But with this core that they have, they're going to be a playoff team sooner rather than later. It was nice to see Huso got a shutout in his first game. Nadelkovic looked okay in his start. So is that tandem going to be the one for Steve Eiserman to help bring them back to the postseason? And it looks like they are. And on the back end, because you touched on a lot of the forwards, Mac, but Ben Sherratt's going to be a huge addition. Uh, Oli Mata has looked pretty good. It kind of looks like the old Oli Mata for now, so I'm not getting too excited, but they can take a, a little off the shoulders of a Mo Sider who had to really put a lot of weight on those shoulders in his rookie season. So year two, Sider is going to be fun to watch. Ben Sherratt's almost the perfect partner for him. And up front, as Max said, like Vron is there. He's scoring a lot. Uh, they're going to be a really, really good hockey team. And it's a big year for their captain as well, uh, Nick and Dylan Larkin. Excited to see what he can do this year because uh, a lot of people don't think his future is in Detroit. Yeah, I mean, I could talk about Detroit for days. I, I think they're a ton of fun, too. Um, I'd like the record to show that I had them finishing fifth. You guys did not. You guys had Ottawa above them. Ridiculous take. I was right. Whatever. It's two games in. Um, one thing that we didn't touch on in the preview episodes was coaching and GM awards. I think head coach Derek Belon's going to be up for coach of the year this year. I love the way that he's got them playing so far. We'll see how it continues. But big fan of him. I think, uh, I think he's going to do a lot of good things there in Detroit. Um, you guys touched on the goaltending. Obviously, that's good. Uh, so far, we'll have to see how the tandem kind of rotates and plays out there through the year. And then Dylan Larkin. I mean, there's been a lot of contract talk around him already. Do you guys think he gets what Matt Barzell got? I've seen that comp out there a lot. Probably, but is he worth it at this point? Like, is he an eight plus million dollar hockey player or is he a nine? Plus? Like, there's a big difference between that number, mm-hmm. right? But I-, I think the market will give him what Matt Barzell got. I do. Mac? Yeah, I mean, uh, Eiserman's 
probably known as one of the best GMs in the league. He hasn't really given out too many huge, huge contracts. So we'll see if he can negotiate that price down a little bit lower than Barzell. <clears throat> and I think it does come in just a little bit less than Barzell, although the cap going up definitely is in Larkin's favorite. Yeah, no, I thought uh, I thought that was an interesting comp that I kept seeing online there. I never really associate those two. Barzell's so skilled that we tend to put him with some of the the higher end players in the league, right? But their points are pretty comparable. Their teams are pretty comparable where they're sort of at in terms of the playoff picture right now. So I thought that was an interesting one. And then you guys touched on Verona. If you guys are bored at home, search up Jakob Verona. His shot is insane. I mean, how quick he gets it off his stick is absurd. I'm again, I love the straight hockey trades, but that Mantha and Verona trade, that's still one that scratches my head a little bit for both teams. Mantha's look good in Washington as well. So can't nitpick it there too much. Um, but moving forward, another team that we were pretty negative on, fellas, the Vegas Golden Knights. They look good so far. They're 3-0. and That's a bit of a surprise, I think, in our eyes. But Tyler, Sin City, what have you seen? I've just seen some good play and is that because of bruce cassidy being there like i don't know the goaltending we had question marks logan thompson's look good he's had a shutout man aiden hill was so close to a shutout in that yeah. Kraken game felt bad for that guy like six minutes left and uh, his team uh, they didn't give up in front of him but they allowed two goals and aiden hill could have had a shutout in his first start as a vegas golden knight so the goaltending looks good through three games the scoring looks good. Jack Eichel, it was nice to see him get off zero really, really quickly. Uh, Jonathan Marshall, so I'm pretty sure, has three goals already. That's a good sign. Riley Smith's look really confident. And, and on the back end, we usually don't worry about their top four in defense. And we're not again, Mac. Like, Petro's looked really, really good. Martinez, Theodore. The defensemen look pretty good. And Nick Hag signed right before the season started. So that was big for Kelly McCrimmon and the Vegas Golden Knights. But, uh, yeah, I've liked what I've seen for sure from them because – I had them out of the playoffs. I forget what you guys had, but I hope they proved me wrong. I had them just out as well. And they are three and oh, but we got to remember they had a hard fought game against the Kings. They took four, three, I believe in their opener. And then they played Chicago and Seattle the next two games. They only beat Chicago one, nothing and Seattle five, two, I believe with an empty net near the end of the game. Um, so I'm not buying in quite yet to that three, three and oh start. Although it's nice to get a few wins out the gate for sure. Yeah, definitely. I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's time to go crazy and plan the parade in Vegas yet, but uh, good to see them start out the gate here pretty good. Like you said, all three of us had them outside of the playoff picture. So um, moving forward from there, a team that we had either in or on the edge of the playoff picture there in the wild card, Minnesota. They've let in 14 goals through two games. They've got a goaltending change here for their next game. A lot of interesting quotes. Zuccarello said they defend like a junior team. I mean, it's wild what's happening in to the wild right now. Mac, what have you seen in Minnesota? It's, they they can't defend. They have a really good top six defense right like right now, and is everything is going in past Flurry. Uh, he's he's got to pull it up. I think he's got an eight point six eight goals against average through the first two games, which is just absurd for someone of his caliber. Um, we'll see if Gustafson can do anything tonight in Monday Monday night's game. Uh. I don't think he's going to be an improvement on them. They have been able to score some goals. I think it was seven, six there against the Kings on, on Saturday night there. Um, but yeah, they haven't looked like the wild of the last few years where it's kind of defense first kind of offense next. Uh, we'll see if they can pull that around tonight's game, but uh, yeah, it might, uh, might be the curse that I put on my fantasy teams here. So. Yeah, that game was insane. When you get 13 goals combined, it's usually an entertaining one for the fans and, uh, that was one of the more entertaining games so far early in the season. Marc-Andre Fleury, he just hasn't looked like himself. He said it post-game in that one that just he's playing shitty. That's pretty much what he said. And after the Ayafalo goal, which was just a slap shot, no screen from the point, from a forward, and it goes by him. Like, you could tell Marc-Andre Fleury was like, something's off. He usually takes that skate to the corner and like, I feel bad for myself. I just let a goal in. But like that one looked more depressed than usual. So I think the Flowers got to pick up his game at some point. It's very early. I think the save percentage does go up. And Philip Gustafson, I don't think any three of us have a lot of faith in him. Uh, but Bill Guerin did when he made the trade for Cam Talbot. He thinks Gustafson come in, can come in and at least, let's say, start 25 to 30 games behind Flurry and give them a decent enough option. So we'll see how he does tonight and, and up front as well. Like Caprizov and Zuccarello have looked okay. They've been on for a lot of goals as well. And another thing, Nick, interesting tonight, Zuccarello might not be able to go. We'll see if he does, but it looks like they're giving Tyson Jost 
first line duty against his former team, the Colorado Avalanche. Can you see some Jost revenge playing with Kaprizov and Zuccarello against the Colorado Avalanche? Yeah, I think that's a very fair points all around. And I'm not super high on the goaltending tandem. And the other thing that we forget about guys with Minnesota is that they've got almost $13 million this year tied up in Zach Parise and Ryan Suter. You know how nice it would be to have $13 million laying around? They would have kept Kevin Fiala and had another similar piece. Like that is just, it plays an effect. And I mean, whether that's another goalie for your tandem, whether that's another defenseman that replaces Schuster or Goligoski at the bottom of the lineup, I'm not going to say that the door's closing on Minnesota at all, but the next two years, they've got almost $15 million spent on those two buyouts each season. They've got Dumba as a UFA at the end of this year. Kalen Addison's an RFA at the end of the year. Matt Boldy's an RFA at the end of the year. Tyson Yost, you mentioned him, RFA at the end of the year. There's a lot of contracts coming up in Minnesota and they've really kind of hamstrung themselves here with these contracts. So I really hope that they can have a good year this year because I don't know how the next two years are going to play out there as it all pertains to dollars and salaries there in Minnesota. Um, one other team that, I mean, a couple of head scratchers with them as well, Arizona. I mean, Tyler, do you want to touch on your Yotes? Uh, yeah, their power plays look good. I'm trying to find positives here, boys. Like the power play has actually looked really, really good. Gosses Bear, J.J. Moser, they're dealing the puck out. Nick Ritchie's somehow scoring goals. He couldn't do it in Toronto. He's all of a sudden doing it in the desert. But, yeah, this is what we really expected this season from the Arizona Coyotes. If you, like, took Clayton Keller out of the lineup and maybe Dylan Gunther, who made his NHL debut over the weekend, you can argue, like, all of their lines are a bottom six line. So this is what we expected. Their decor is not great. Like, Josh Brown's there playing minutes. He's not a good defenseman, as we know. And Karel Vamelka is pretty much the punching bag in between the pipes, unfortunately. So they could get blasted tonight by the Toronto Maple Leafs, or they can keep it close and surprise us. But yeah, I haven't seen a lot of positivity coming out of Coyote land. Yeah, I mean, he's getting peppered in it. I think he's let up nine or they've let in 97 shots to 51-4, I believe it is, through two games, which is crazy. That's almost 50 shots per game against. Uh, this is setting up for a... Uh, classic Leafs lose against the worst team in the league though uh, so we'll see if they can pull out a, pull a good game out of their hat tonight to shock the Leafs yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna push that down the road a little bit they've got Toronto tonight then they've got two off days in Montreal and they play the Habs on Thursday two off nights in Montreal typically means you're not gonna have a good game there the next month after a couple celebratory beverages um, so I think we'll uh, we'll see them compete with the Leafs tonight and then get blown out in Montreal on Thursday and I mean guys they just don't have anything to get excited about right now you touched on it there's just not much doing we uh, we ripped Eunice Johansson there in the Western Conference preview. He got claimed again. He's back in Colorado where he was before, so he doesn't need waivers anymore. So he's stuck in Colorado there. Weird, I guess, to have the worst goalie ever on the best team of the year, maybe. Uh, but they've got Connor Ingram as their backup goalie now. So nothing to get really excited about other than Tyler. Like you said, Mullet Arena is a pretty cool name. And hey, we might get Bedard in Arizona. So um, other than that, guys, what else, uh, if anything, do we want to touch on in the league here? Maybe some points, Mac? Yeah, I mean, the, the top five or top five and tied guys are Crosby, Panarin, Stamkos, Rantanen, McDavid, Dreisaitl. You usually see a few kind of weird guys at the top. So to have these guys at the top to begin with is going to be uh, scary, I think, for the rest of the league, that these guys are starting hot, hotter than usual. And I think we could see some big numbers at the end of the year, which excites a lot of fans probably. Um, hopefully we see the most, 100 point scores or higher that we've seen in some time uh that always excites me what about you ty yeah i think panarin rantanen and mcdavid obviously dry settles well they're going to be up there all year Sidney crosby maybe he takes a step back but hey he's looked really really good he looks like old sid the kid almost through the first few games um but as i touched on at the start artemi panarin like this could be a big year for the bread man and nick like we both really like the rangers this year this is a good sign if you're a Rangers fan. It's a good sign for maybe potentially down the road in March at them acquiring Patrick Kane. Does that happen? Um, but yeah, there's usually those weird names. You're right, Mac. There really isn't this year. I guess the one positive thing that we just talked really negatively about the Minnesota Wild, at least Matt Boldy's up there. He's got four points. He scored a couple beauties in one of those losses as well. So uh, we talked a lot about Beneers. Boldy's just another American player that we can all get really excited about. 
Yeah, I think uh, I was going to touch on Boley there too. So thank you, thank you. Uh, Tyler Sagan's another one. That's a guy that you want to see put up points. He's battled with some crazy injuries over his career. Some different coaches, different systems there in Dallas. He had a three-point night. Really hope he can put it together this year for his own sake and, of course, the Stars' sake. Um, but, Mac, you said something really interesting there about how many guys are going to finish over 100 points. So, I mean, this wasn't planned. But, hey, additional segment, how many guys are going to finish over 100 points? Mac, what do you got? 2023 season, how many NHLers finish with over 100 points? I don't know. I, I don't. I haven't, haven't looked this Nobody up has. too much. Nobody but has uh, let's see. Let's see. Uh, probably going to say around 15, 15 guys. Ty? That's that's the exact number I was gonna say. So I'll take one under. I'll go with fourteen. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna say? I'm gonna go a little bit lower. I've got eleven. I think the races for the playoffs are gonna be really tight in a couple divisions in particular this year. Which uh, hopefully we start to see some uh, shutdown defense towards the end of the season. I think uh, to that point though, I'm gonna argue against myself. We have more skill in the game than ever. So hey, if it ends up being 28 guys above 100 points, you're not gonna hear me complaining. So we'll see. We had 11 last up. year, by the way, Nick. 11 last year, just checked. So new segment. You're... I didn't even look into it, but look at yep. that. You're dead on, dead on. But as you said, more skill. That's why I think we get a few more. Could be between let's say 12 and 1600 point scores. I think okay. McKinnon get, McKinnon's going to get there this year. I think stay healthy the full year mm. and he's going to get there. Okay. Another and... guy on another guy on Dallas there, quick Mason Marchment scored a few really nice goals. Look, McDavid out there. Yeah, yeah, that bar down one was just filthy, filthy. Yeah, and uh, while we're on the topic of takes here, that we're going to look back at the at the end of the year, who leads the league and with how many points do they do it, Mac? I I'm not betting against McDavid here. I think he gets 135. Ty? I'll go. I'll go McDavid. Uh, what did he have last year? One twenty-eight. I'll go McDavid. One thirty-two. One thirty-two. Right. Well, I'm just for the sake of change. I'm gonna go with his buddy Leon Dreisaitl, and I'm gonna go with one twenty-two. Taking a little step back, eh? Little step back, but okay. hey, I mean, please don't snore at uh, one hundred and twenty-two points. That's uh, that's quite a few in an eighty-two game season in the best league on the planet. So. Um, I mean, that does it for the weekly rundown here. Let's hop into a quick ad read from our friends over at Sport Displays. The jersey mount, you can see it over both shoulders here. Beautiful, simple product. I love simple fixes. No more staples in the wall. No more holes in your jersey from putting a nail through it. No more clothes hangers upside down. No more $300 shadow boxes at Winners since they're not a sponsor. Just get the jersey mount. You can choose your size. You can choose how many you get. They've got a bunch of different options available on the website. You're going to use code Hockey Collective. That's going to get you 10% off and free shipping when you use code Hockey Collective, capitals, all capitals, H-O-C-K-E-Y-C-O-L-L-E-C-T-I-V-E. Sport Displays was uh, nice enough to continue sponsoring the show here. So show them some love. Get your jerseys looking nice and clean like they are beside me here. All right, next, guys, there's been a lot of talk about goalie tandems between injuries, cap hits, kind of the different situations, especially in Boston. We had Swayman as the starter over Allmark last year. Now we got Allmark as the starter over Swayman. A lot of interesting things with goalies the last couple of years. Back in the day, tandems weren't such a thing. I mean, you had starters going 60 games a year. You had elite number ones on a lot of teams. And if you didn't have a great goalie, you weren't going anywhere in the playoffs. Things have definitely changed over the last few years. So we thought we'd talk about it a little bit here. And what we've done is quantified it as true number one goalies. We're going solely off your gut feeling here. No stats, no minimum starts, no minimum save percentage. We each ranked uh, the goalies in the league. How many of them we quantify as true number one goalies. They're not quite all elite, but they're all number one starters. No matter what team they're on, we think they'd be a starter. You're not worried about a tandem. You're not going out to get them a, a tandem goalie at the trade deadline. True number one goalies. Hopefully that makes sense to everybody. Uh, I'm going to start it off here. And out of the 32 NHL teams, my number was 14. I have 14 true number one goalies in the NHL. Mac, what did you end up coming up with? Uh, I came around and used a little bit of stats and and kind Stars. of natural i uh i view but i came up with 12 12 boys 12 okay and ty 
I did the opposite. I just looked at every team's logo and then wrote down the goalies who I thought I would want to start. Uh, I have a nice round number. I got 20. I think uh, I have a lot 20. more faith in some of these goalies than both of you guys. 20. Okay. So here's what we'll do. I'll, uh, I'll run through my list here. I'll, we'll, we'll run through the teams in order and um, kind of say if we each have them or not. Uh, how's that sound? Sure. Yep. Perfect. Okay. Well, kicking us off in Anaheim, John Gibson. I have him as a yes, but I think that might be controversial. Mac? Yeah, just statistically the last couple of years, he's been not good. Uh, I'm going to say no. Okay, Ty? Not controversial. He is on my list. I didn't even have to think about it. Me too, me too. I think he's still at the Olympics for U.S. I think uh, it's really kind of a product of the Ducks system. Uh, I think he's a, I think he's a good goalie, and for me, he's still a number one. Uh, Arizona, not much discussion here. Everybody's a no. Sorry, Carl Vomelka. No, I thought about Connor Ingram, but he's not on my list. Yeah, you know, cool name. We'll give him that. But uh, Boston, like I said, Allmark, Swayman, either of you guys have either of them? No. Big no. time, both, no. Both good goalies, but I think that's the prime example of they're not going to give you 60 games. One of them could give you 55, maybe 50. They're going to flip-flop through the year. They're each going to get their spot starts. But I think that's the prime example of where we're at in today's NHL. Neither of those are true number ones. Buffalo, Craig Anderson, he stood on his head in game one there against Ottawa. Love to see it. The old man still getting after it. Um, they said, and I don't know if this is true, but Elliot Friedman confirmed it. He does not take his gear home with him over the summer. I don't know if that means he has a different set of gear at home or what. Maybe he doesn't touch a puck all summer, but Elliot Friedman confirmed Craig Anderson does not take his equipment home over the summer speaking of gear I think I heard that his kid designed his new pads so that's mm -hmm. another cool thing about his pads that he supposedly doesn't take home but his pads look gorgeous in that first start yeah, that's funny if he was driving his kid to the rink every day to design the pads because he didn't want to take them home. So, uh, But uh, Buffalo, hard no from all of us there. Calgary, Markstrom, I think resounding yes. Yep, yep, for sure. Even though he's inconsistent at times, he's still a number one. He is, he is. But I expect him to fully be in the Vesna running this year. He was last year, and I think he's a great goalie. Super athletic, especially for his size, right? Um, Carolina, again, I'm thinking we all went yes, but Freddie Anderson? Yep, yep. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Unanimous is always good. Chicago, Staylock, Morazic. It's going to be no's from all three of us, I'm sure. Big time no's. Big time. Sorry, Alex Staylock. Yeah, I don't even know if either of them are true number two goalies anymore. Sorry, boys. Yeah, I mean, Staylock had a great performance against Vegas. True. But, but, but what you just said, Nick, is a fact. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. Mac. That's enough. That's enough out of Mac. Uh, Colorado, I also went no. They obviously lost Kemper. They've got Georgiev. They've got Francouz. They've got our boy, Eunice Johansson. No from everybody? Yeah. Yeah, that's Perfect. a no. Uh, Georgiev might be at some point, though. He yeah. might be. Yeah, he, yeah. he might be. be behind the abs, but not any other team, I think. I think that's a good point. I think he could be a Grubauer number one. As in, yeah. you're, you're a number one on the Avs. You might be up for the Vesna, but uh, I do not think uh, today or in the next couple of years here. Uh, Columbus, Merzlikens, Corpusalo, lots of hype coming up. I don't think either of them are there yet. No number one for me. Agree? Yeah, I no. had Merzlikens this close to making my list. Me too. And, and I just left him off. He, it, yeah. His last last year's performance from him, just with a 3.23 goals against average, just left him off. He had a great goalie point share, but yeah, off my list. Yeah, yeah I think, Elvis I think has close. left the list, Nick. He has left the list. He's left the list. I don't know if he was ever on it, but he left it. Uh, but no, he was super close for me as well. I think that's completely fair. Dallas, we got Jake Ottinger. Tough one for me because the sample size is so small, but he's got to be on there, right, fellas? Yep, for 100%, sure. 100%, yeah. Perfect. Just what he did to Calgary in the playoffs last year. Yeah, I mean, hey, playoff legends live forever. So um, that's a, a good one there in Dallas. Detroit, they've got Huso, they've got Nadelkovic. We touched on both of them. I think we all like both goalies, but again, no true number one in Detroit, right? No, no. Perfect. Maybe soon. Maybe soon with Billy Huso. Okay, here, here's one that might be a little bit controversial. I went to a bunch of sources, and I mean, hey, maybe some of them are Leafs fans, but uh, Jack Campbell in Edmonton. I've got him as a no. Tyler, what do you got? He ain't on my list, Mac. Not a chance. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> Another unanimous. Wow, with Jack Campbell. 
I, I'm glad. I'm glad. He played 49 games last year. Before that, he's only cracked 31 other time. That's just not true number one material to me. I hope he figures it out. Uh, Edmonton was my cup pick if you listened in last week. So I hope it goes well out in oil country, but he's not a true number one. And uh, $5 million is quite a bit, we'll say. Uh, moving on from there, Florida, again, maybe a controversial one. Bobrovsky, he's a yes for me based off kind of the longevity and the sample size there. Ty, I see a little nod there. Please tell me you agreed. Yeah, I got Bob. And I know there's really not a lot of sample size. I also have Spencer Knight. Also Spencer Knight. Okay, I wondered if this would come up. He's not quite for me, but like you said, he's kind of almost in that Ottinger territory, right? Yeah, exactly, yep. Okay, Mac? I don't know. Ottinger has the numbers that back him up. Knight really doesn't so far. Playing behind uh, Florida, he's kind of got shelled a few games here and there. Um, Bobrovsky, same thing. The last couple of seasons in Florida, I just, I can't put him on my list before two, two, three years ago, a hundred percent, but I think he's fallen off a little bit too much for me. And that 10.5 million or 10, 10.5 or whatever he's making right now is just insane. Not that that plays a factor in anything in my list, but the numbers do. Yeah, I think it's fair. I, I would have a hard time poking any holes in your argument there, but I, I do barely have him on the list there. Uh, Los Angeles, quick. Cal Peterson knows from me. You guys agree? I got quick. You got Back. quick. I I think based off of last year, yes, I have quick. But uh, overall, the last three years, no, I don't. And that's kind of what I've been basing it off other than uh, a couple guys like Ottinger. And uh, uh, you'll see you later. Okay, so Ty's showing his age here by having Quick on the list because uh, this ain't 2015, baby. Hey, he looked great last year. Looked okay in their first. I, I trust Jonathan Quick this year. I think he's still going to have a pretty good season. Yeah, I, I think a lot of last year, though, I chalk up to their system. They played so fun and exciting as a team, and they just suffocated teams with their speed. So It's going to be the same system this year, right? It, it's it is. have another but... good year. Peterson's going to keep getting more starts. I just can't put quick as a number one in my eyes right now, but uh, he definitely has been for a very, very long time. Minnesota, another potentially controversial one. Mark Andre Fleury avoiding the two games that we've seen so far out of Minnesota this year. Is he a number one fellas? Yeah, he's a number one. No, not anymore. Mm, okay. I have him as a yes as well. Uh, this one was probably the toughest one for me. This one I think was the toughest one. He's just barely there, and honestly, like I touched on last week, part of the reason that he's there for me is because Minnesota said, hey, you're our number one and traded Cam Talbot. I think that mm. kind of is in the back of my mind a little bit. I trust Fleury. Um, hasn't looked great so far. I, I guess I wrote my list before the season really got underway there, but uh, another good one there in Minnesota. Montreal, I think we can all agree that Carey Price would be, but he's not around, so nobody in Montreal agree. Yep, no, no chance. No chance. Hey, Jake Allen's looked pretty good, though, to start the year. I will say that. Yep, true. He has, he has. But uh, Nashville, UC Soros, great year last year. I expect that to continue. Slight nods all around here. Yes for Soros? Yep. Perfect. Yeah, nice third, third best goalie in the league. I don't even want to guess what your rankings are there. But, uh, Mac, <laughs> yes? Yeah, 100%. Yep. Okay. Uh, moving on from there, New Jersey, Blackwood, Venacek, both have potential to be there, but I don't think either can be there. Sample size isn't there. Number of games in the season isn't there. Everybody's a no. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Blackwood was statistically a top 15 goalie two years ago, but he's dropped off significantly last year and hasn't looked great so far this year. Yeah. We thought this was going to be fixed when they brought in Vanacek, but this will still be the downfall of the Devils this year. Yeah, that yep. and uh, your boy Lindy Ruff. Lots of uh, lots of chance for fire. Fire Ruff, man. Already two games in, these Devils yeah. fans are ruthless. Yeah, they must have listened to the pod. They found out that Burnett was assistant coach. So um, <laughs> keeping it uh, in the tri-state area, there, New York Islanders, Sorokin. Yes. Yep. Not much sure. to say there, Tyler. Do you have Simeon Varlamov? No, I thought about it. I whittled down my list and uh, Varley was originally on it when it was like 30 plus goalies, but Varley's off. Sorry, Varley. Oh, I think that's fair. We uh, Nobody discussed their list beforehand, but Tyler said, hey, what about Simeon Varlamov? And I said, nah. And uh, I, I was a big fan. I was a big fan way back when. Yeah, I understandable. Understandable. He's been a good goalie for a long time. Kind of underrated, honestly, over the last decade. Um, he's been a name that's been around there. Keeping it in New York, Shesterkin, I don't think there's anything to say here other than yes. 
Yes, yep. yes, yes. Sorry, Islanders fans. We're saying it for the Rangers. Perfect. perfect. <laughs> Ottawa, Cam Talbot, another tough kind of fringe one here, I'm assuming. I have him as a no, Mac. What do you got? I have no. Tough? Unanimous. I cut him. I cut Cam Talbot. Let's go. Um, <laughs> he had 49 games last year, which is the most that he's played in a long time, and he lost his starting job and got traded. So not a number one, in my opinion, there. Uh, Philly, Carter Hart. For me, not yet. He played 45 games last year. That's the most he's ever done. He had a 3-1-6 goals against average. That's just not true number one material. I'm confident he's going to get there, but Mac, what do you got? Yeah, he's definitely not there right now. Uh, I don't know if I'm confident he's going to get there or not. We'll see see how certain situations play out. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, not on my list. Certain yeah, I just situations. hope I hope this like the slow development of the Flyers as a team doesn't play into it. But I do have Carter Hart on my list. If I was starting a team, I would trust him to be my number one goaltender. You do have Carter Hart on your list. Yep. Okay, that's where uh, that's where you followed the gut, I guess. Yep. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's the point of the exercise here, folks. Pittsburgh, Tristan Jari, is he there or no, Tyler? He's there. Yeah, I didn't want to put him on the list. I'm not the biggest Tristan Jari fan, but he's shown me that he's capable of taking the load as a number one goalie. So I have him on my list. Mac? He's been really good statistically and otherwise the last couple of years. So yeah, he's definitely on my list. I do not, only because he's only played 40 games once. Again, it's kind of just a workload thing. COVID does play a factor in that, but when I picture Tristan Jari, the only thing I really picture about him is that playoff series where he got lit up for a ton of weak ones and that stands out. So like Tyler, the gut says no on this one. Uh, San Jose, James Reimer, Leafs legend, going to be a no. No. I thought yeah. about Kakinen when he was like playing well in Minnesota. I was like, is this guy going to be a number one? But no, they don't have one. No, just can't be. Just can't be. Uh, Grubauer, we touched on him a little bit earlier in Seattle. Obviously, he's hurt right now. I think he's the only guy that they have that's really in the running for it here. He's a no for me. He's only played over 40 games once, and that was a 3-1-6. I'm chalking his uh, avalanche year, his Vesna running year, up to the fact that it was in the avalanche system. Everybody agree there? No, no. I don't. I, I'm taking that year out. Like, I still have seen a lot from Philip Grubauer. Like, he's played on some bad teams, too. Like, on Seattle now, he's not going to be able to show us that he can be a number one goaltender. But like like Hart, who they're in different situations, one like 31, one still very young. I'd trust Gruby. Back, back me up. Hey, it's, it's a tough one. I don't have him on my list, but he was close, especially the couple of seasons in the past. He was good in Washington as well. Obviously, didn't mm. get the starter range. Uh, I don't know. I, it was a close for me just based off stats from the last couple of years. But last year, really, really threw his goals saved above expected. It was just horrific. And, and maybe it was a system or lack thereof in Seattle. They look a lot better so far this year, but we'll see how that season plays out. Maybe he can get there by the end of the year. When he's on, he's on. When he's off, he's off. And, and that's the bad thing about him. Yeah, I think that's fair. If you guys thought Grubauer was controversial, what about Jordan Bennington? Tyler, you have him as a yes, don't you? Big time. Not controversial for me. I love Jordan Bennington. He's got a Stanley Cup ring to back him up. So easy one for me was Binner. Mac? Yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of Bennington, but I have him on my list. Uh, stats don't lie. Yeah, fair enough. I didn't look at stats. Not a stats guy today. I woke up this morning. Jordan Bennington was on my list. I was sitting at 15 names. I woke up. I said, you know what, Jordan Bennington, not today, pal. And I took him wow. off. I'm at 14. Woke up. My wow. gut said Jordan Bennington's out of here. So if you woke up on this side of the bed, he was on your list, but you woke up on this side of the bed. And that's the thing. That's the list. thing. I woke up dead center of the bed and I had to trust it on that one. Gut said no Jordan wow. Bennington. Uh, Tampa, another contra. No, Andre Vasilevsky, best goalie on the planet. I won't hear otherwise. Yes is all around. Vasilevsky's the best. The best. Right. Toronto, Matt Murray, Helios Samsonov, Herrick Schalgren, that dude in Sweden. No. I got Samsonov, boys. I liked what I saw in Washington. He's never had a losing record, if I'm pretty sure. Um, the, the what? How many games has he started for the Leafs? They don't matter. He looked great in Washington at times and got into a little trouble here and there, maybe off the ice, but uh, I like Samsonov. I trust him as my number one. Okay. Well, I apologize in advance for when you get bullied in the comments section, Tyler, but it's a hard no right. for me. I mean, uh, right. fun fact, he's actually younger than Shogren. 
for uh, those wow. game and track. And and we didn't touch on it earlier, but Shalgren, that's a revenge game against the Yotes tonight, if you remember Big my time. rant from the Western Conference preview. They were drafted in the same draft, by the way. Samsonov first round, Shalgren way like sixth or seventh, whenever it was. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. A little goalie competition there. The Vancouver Canucks, Thatcher Demko, one of the best names in hockey. It's a yes from me, Tyler. Big time. Yes. Thatcher Demko is going to be the one of the best in the league very soon. Agreed. Agreed. Mac. Oh, hundred percent. And going back to your, now that we've gone through most of them, except for one, uh, Gibson, you have on team USA over Ottinger, Demko and Hellebuck. Not a chance. How's it over him? How's it over them? Don't you take three goalies on a team? Yeah. Ottinger, Demko, Hellebuck. Yeah, Hellebuck's been trashed the last couple of years, too. He hasn't been. Well, Ottinger and Demko are both young. Would they take both? That's a question we can mm-hmm. maybe get into before the next uh, next tournament. Yeah. Um, next year? Yes, yes. Vegas, Robin Lehner would be there, but for me at least, but the way their goalies are right now, nobody else agreed. Yeah, I got no Knights goalies on my list, Mac. Yeah, I don't even know if he would be, even if he was healthy, to be honest. No, I don't think so. No. Huh. Mac doesn't like his neck tattoo, I think. <laughs> Just the in- in- inconsistencies doesn't uh, doesn't favor my list. Yeah, if you so. heard there, Mac really pronunciated the ink and in inconsistency there. He's really against neck tattoos. Uh, <laughs> Washington, Darcy Kemper, he was a yes for me. He was great in Arizona in front of garbage teams. He won a cup in Colorado. Mac, you agree, I assume? Yeah, I have like Kemper for years. He's a statistical darling. So, yes. I, like uh, Kemper I, did, on my I list. just had to double check the list. I do have him on my list, but I'm regretting it. I, I don't trust Darcy Kemper ever. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. And does the eye injury play any factor? They won a cup with one eye. It's true, but look who was playing in front of him. Fair enough, fair enough. I have a hard time arguing that. Winnipeg Jets, I have Connor Hellebuck on my list, but I have him off of my projected Team USA Olympics in place for John Gibson. Ty, what do you got? Uh, I have Connor Hellebuck on my list, and John Gibson would be on my Team USA as a side note as well. Go, Mac. <laughs> uh, I have him on my list. He's been the second best goal in the league for the last three seasons in a row, statistically. And I will not uh, hear otherwise. Yeah, he has. But like no, watching the no Jets, way. he's not the second best goalie in the league. There's no chance Connor Halibut's the second. The best Jets goalie in the D league. have stunk for the last two years. His goalie point share has been just behind Vasilevsky two years ago and just behind Shesterkin last year. Okay, listeners, on the count of three, raise your hand if you know what goalie point share is. I was just going to say, I've never heard of that. Never heard of that. That's the war for baseball fans. It's the war of hockey. Oh, war, like the card game? Yeah. I'm kidding. kidding. One, two, three, flip. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. No, it's a, it's a super interesting stat, but I, I do not always put faith in it. Sam is war in baseball. War's all over the place in baseball. If you stand two feet to the right, you're going to have a negative defensive war in baseball as a third baseman or a center field. That's the way it goes. I think it's the same in hockey. It's a great, useful thing, except for when it's not. Hellebuck doesn't pass the old eye test for me the last couple of years. Uh, but hey, true number one goalies. That's a wrap on that segment. I think the point here is Goaltending's changed a lot over even the last decade. A lot of tandems now, a lot of kind of insurance policies behind guys, and guys aren't making 60-plus starts anymore like they used to. Um, one other thing that I heard just this morning on the 32 Thoughts podcast with Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman, a caller called in and said, do you guys think we'll ever get to the point Almost again, like in baseball, how they do with openers, relievers, starting pitchers. Do you guys think we'll ever see Darcy Kemper is in net for the Washington Capitals. They're up 5-0 at the end of the second against the Montreal Canadiens, and they put in their backup for the third period to rest Darcy Kemper. Is that something that you guys think will ever become a trend in the National Hockey League? No chance. No, I just can't. It's not not a hockey thing. Like, what are you resting him for? Like, is it the last game of the season? Is it the last week of the season? Uh, let's say we're at game 30. There's no point of it. I just don't see a point in it. Yeah, wow. we've seen we've seen that happen in the last week of the season before. Mm-hmm. Like a starter, you get up early and you know you're going to win that game. It's game again. It's like Arizona or something. You don't want a guy like Vasilevsky to get hurt, right? And you're, mm-hmm. you take him out at that point. But, but just start and, the other guy. Just yeah. start the other guy. Right? Yeah. Yeah. 
I think so too. I think more than anything, I thought it was a fun idea. I tried to talk myself into it kind of saying like, Hey, it's the last week of the season or, Hey, I looked at Carolina, Freddie Anderson and anti Ronta are always hurt both of them. So maybe mid season, you only give Freddie Anderson half of a game against San Jose or Arizona. And then you put Ronta in for the back half, but my worry with it. And the reason why I'm going to say no is again, injury, but I'm thinking more for the backup, the guy who's yeah, got a stretch guy going cold. limber. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's a lot easier to just start your backup, like you said, Tyler. So I think it's a fun idea. Again, shout out to the 32 Thoughts podcast there for uh, that caller and that idea. But I think it's a no all around here. Uh, but with that in mind, let's dive into uh, the world famous segment, People Forget. We've uh, had a couple of cool ones over the last couple of weeks here. Tyler, you want to kick us off here? What's your People Forget? Yeah, I'm going back to a couple drafts, guys. So People Forget. That Pierre Desjardins, former New Jersey Devil, former Florida Panther, Montreal Canadian, he was drafted twice in the first round. So we've seen players get drafted twice before. Frederick Anderson comes to mind. Mike Rupp comes to mind. Nick Boynton comes to mind. But Pierre Desjardins, he was drafted 47th overall in 1996 by the New Jersey Devils. That's in the second round. Uh, didn't have a great year before that. He didn't sign with them. He goes back to the QMJHL for the uh, Ren Naranda Huskies. He puts up 66 goals and 133 points. And guess who takes them in the 1998 draft? The New Jersey Devils in the fourth round, 105th overall. Just weird to see a team draft a guy two years apart after he ripped it up. And unfortunately for Pierre Dejeuner, Mac, he didn't have a great NHL career. Well, for my people forget, I'm going to go way back even further. Uh, Bill Mozienko, people forget. He has the record for the fastest hat trick, 21 seconds. And that his nickname is Wee Willie. <laughs> it's unreal. I, I might like the nickname even more than the stat there. <laughs> um, but uh, for my people forget keeping it on the subject of goalies. It's a tandem we talked a little bit about and had a little bit of disagreement on. People forget that the LA Kings have two goaltenders, each making over $5 million. Cal Peterson at five. Jonathan Quick at 5.8. That's $10.8 million spent on their goalie tandem. I completely forgot. I mean, Cal Peterson, he's going to be good. But when I saw that number, I was like, damn, really? So that's going to do it for people forget here. I think that's just about it for the fourth episode of the Hockey Collective show. Tyler, anything you want to add for the people? I'm excited. I got a, a fantasy basketball draft tonight. Uh, I don't watch basketball. I just watch the Raptors, I guess. But uh, pump for that. Pump for nine games and just another full week of hockey. Like, what else can you ask for? Just getting to sit on the couch at night and watch the NHL. We're uh, we're pretty blessed as hockey fans, Mac. Yeah, I'm gonna flip it off here and flip the TV on and watch pregame and the Leafs. Uh, and we also just got an update on Twitter there just before we started for the Blackhawks. Uh, they're going to reevaluate where Kane and Taves stand in December slash January uh, to see where their heads are at for trades as well. So that's interesting. Both. Trade them both, please. Fire sale, fire sale. I mean, it sounds crazy, but with the season being a little bit later the last couple of years here, boys, it's already almost the end of October. Like we might be a month and a half away from a cane trade. That gets me going. I mean, people forget next week is going to talk about how Tyler has Elias Samsonov as a number one goalie in the NHL, but that's going to do it for episode four of the Hockey Collective Show on behalf of Mac and Tyler. Thank you for listening. Check us out on socials at Hockey Collective, and we'll see you back here next week.